alcohol and uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot, no. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> Pierogies? Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Podcast, Paul and all that jazz. Hello, I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to the 38th episode of Podcast. In this episode, we will tell you how a number of coincidences and one man's determination have changed the lives of two people living thousands of miles apart and aware of each other. About the winter capital of Poland and the center of the Highlanders' culture. How a Polish-Canadian has been involved in the arts community of Melbourne, Australia. Our podcast is changing. We started in May and by the end of 2016 we produced 37 episodes. The feedback we have received from you, our listeners, has always contained the same comments. You want more time to listen to each episode... And you want us to get deeper into the conversations we're having with our interviewees. We've listened and we're changing our podcast. The interviews will get longer and to accommodate longer interviews will make our episodes longer. And at the same time, we will produce fewer episodes to give you an opportunity to catch up. It is a podcast after all, so each one of you can pause and come back at any time or listen to our past episodes that you have missed. But for our radio listeners, the radio version broadcast on CJRU in Toronto will be slightly different from our podcast. All the podcast content will be still broadcast, but on a different weekly schedule, and the radio version will include more music, making this format more suitable for our traditional radio listeners. We also invite you to use our website, mypodcast.com, a lot more. Go back to the stories, go back to the episodes that we have produced so far, and we will see you in a longer episode, number 39, in four weeks. Some situations in life are so unbelievable that they sound like taken straight from a movie. And if they really were to inspire a screenplay, people would probably comment on such a movie by saying, come on, things like this don't happen in real life. Well, this one did. The main character in this story is Andrzej Rozbicki, a well-known Toronto conductor, music teacher and concert organizer. In episode one of our podcast, we talked to his students who shared their impressions from visiting Europe on the Music and History High School program which he created. This time, however, Andrzej Rozbicki turned into an investigator and the results are truly amazing. This is quite an unusual story that happened. It's like a series of various coincidences. First of all, you were supposed to be in China, which didn't happen, and you went to Cuba. 
Yes. My wife refused to, to, to go to China. She said we need more time, so probably we're going to go next year. And this is how you landed in Cuba. So, what happened in Cuba? Well, I went first time for two weeks, so I had more time to explore, to talk to the people. Okay. And one day, we were, we were at the bar, and uh, regular questions. Where are you from? Well, we're from Canada. Okay, but what is your nationality? I have that beautiful accent still. I'm Polish, I'm from Poland. So we start to talk. And my wife was next to him. And what is your name? Oh, my name is Danuta. Oh, Danuta. Ooh, and you have a son, daughter. Wow, so we mentioned, oh, we have a daughter. Her name is Anna Karolina. Wow, and my brother has a child. Wow, she's right now about 30, 30 years old. He went to Czechoslovakia. That was 32 years ago. He got a contract, four years contract. He was mechanic, and that was like special agreement be- between Cuba and Czechoslovakia at the time. And he was there, he was working from 82 to 86, really four years. And in this factory, he met a Polish girl. Her name is Danuta Tarnava. My wife is Danuta, so that's why we start, start to talk. This is really coincidence, as, as you mentioned. And they work in the same uh, factory. They were living in the same apartment. And after two years, in 1984, their daughter was born. Her name is Carolina. And after another two years, in 86, his visa expired, and he had to return to Cuba. After a couple of months, Danuta Tarnava, that's her name, she returned to Poland. They changed the letters for a couple of years, and after, let's say, five, six years, contact stops, and he didn't know how to, to reach her, and, and he sent some letters to different people, to different addresses, and made it return or just disappear, and that happened, well, 30 years ago. Next day, his brother Abelino told me that Daduta probably lives somewhere close to the Czech Republic border. So, address was very simple, and to really was not really address, because I got the Porendi 19. And that's it. Porenbe 19. We start to talk and I said, well, maybe if she didn't have an official marriage certificate with him, okay, probably she, she, she married is right time. She has a different name. Probably Carolina has a different name because he told me that Carolina last name is Karoleva. So Carolina Koraleva because he is the Corales. That's the mother. Uh, probably give her last name Corales. He thought that the mother gave the girl the, his name. Yes, exactly, which was Corales. I took pictures, you know I mean, of him and his brother, and we talked, and he told me he never married anyone, he's still alone, and he has only you know, one wish in his life. He wants Carolina to know that he's alive and he lives somewhere in Cuba. So I promised him I'm going to do everything possible to figure out, but with this information which I have, I don't have too much chances, but anyway. So you came back towards the end of November? Yes, and I spent mm -hmm. almost five, six weeks, you know what I mean, day by day, digging, 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 checking. I start with Facebook, okay, and I found five Carolina Karoleva, okay, so I send the messages, and three of them respond, no, that's not me. So I think, uh oh, maybe that's a different story. So I s decide to follow Danuta Ternava. I sent to a couple of my friends those that information which I have it, and I said, wow, try guys, maybe you can help me somehow. And uh, when that Facebook didn't work, I start to look for Borenbe. This, the first day of Christmas, well, a couple of days ago, I start to uh, check the Google map, village by village, 
Poremba because Poremba not existing. Poremba, I got about 30 Poremba, you know, I mean, villages in Poland. So, so I started to dig in, dig in, dig in one by one, and close to the border, my wife helped me with this. I found the place called Dugopole and Poremba, small village next to Dugopole. Open that Google Maps with these cameras views. Try, try to travel <laughs> through the village. And I find the house of number 19 was about 40 houses in this village. I checked on Google any places with the phone numbers. Okay, so I found two motels. So I tried to call them. Nobody responded. That was the Christmas day of the evening. I called the church. And the priest picked up the phone. As I explained, he asked me a lot of questions. Who am I? What am I looking? He said, oh, I'm not a computer guy. But I know we have a Tarnava Danuta here in Poremba. He said to me, I'm only 10 years in this village, but I know Danuta Tarnava is here, Poremba 19. So he said to me, I need time because I don't have internet. We have Christmas right now. I have to check. And I said, well, okay, could you please do this pretty delicate way? Because maybe daughter even doesn't know her father is Cuban. Because she was two years when he left, he returned to Cuba. And can you imagine, day after, which is Monday, I got the call from a lady from Poland. And she said, oh, my name is Tetarnava. I said, oh, how is it possible? I mean, no, 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 but I'm not Danuta, I'm Christina. Christina and the priest give me that your phone number and that information that you're looking for, Carolina. I'm her godmother. But Danuta is not alive anymore. She died 15 years ago. That was a pretty bad message. When the priest told me he needed one week, so I sent the email to Cuba, to Orlando, Abelino brother, that I find it, you know I mean, that Danuta Tarnava in Poland. Right. Okay, oh. so she gave me the phone number to Carolina. Mm-hmm. And she said Carolina doesn't live, you know, in that village anymore for a lot of years. And she lives in Oleśnica, close to Wrocław. She's divorced right now. She's not Tarnava anymore. And she's not uh, a Corales, of course. She never was the Karoleva also. So I call her. <laughs> I shock her because I just told you, I, go, I find your father. Oh, she my said, God. She said, who are you? <laughs> and so I started slowly, step by step. I, I'm shocked. And can you repeat it one more time? She said, fine. And yes, I know it. I have a, a Cuban father. So what is the situation now? Now I sent the information to Cuba, to the father. And they were so happy, so jumping, you know what I mean? Because after 30 years... You know, he doesn't have own family, as I mentioned before. He does, he's, he's not married. And the priest was very also enthusiastic because he said, oh, okay, so maybe we can do something so they will be still together, you know. But, of course, the mother mother died 15 years ago. So right now, I, I'm, I'm hoping, you know what I mean, I'm going to help her a little bit and, and some kind of organize because they live in, not in Havana, not in another big city. They live in a very small village which is the almost two hours drive from Santiago de Cuba, close to, to Jamaica. So it's, it's not easy to even to get to that place, but of course it's possible. I think that she has a bigger chance to, to, to go to Cuba than, than he. The, of course, the cost for him, you know how much the Cuban people make. So I'm, I'm going to try to help her to fly to Cuba 
and and I hope they're gonna meet. And that's gonna be like final final step, which I'm going to be involved. I hope. <laughs> and what you know, I mean, what was also coincidence because that uh, Christine Ternava, that godmother, told me it's really funny because I usually stay whole year in Germany because I'm working there. And I just return here for the three days to spend the Christmas with some neighbors, some family here. Okay, so I'm only three days here. I just got that message today, you know what I mean? It will be tomorrow, I will be in Germany. So you're planning to make sure these two people meet? And you would like yes. to participate in that uh, reunion, yes. yes? Yes. I took some pictures, you know, of uh, Abelino and Rolando in Cuba. So I sent to her. So mm -hmm. she knows how he looks right now today. And of course, I sent to him Carolina's pictures, which she sent to me. So now they have a own, uh, they have a phone number. They have an email address to Orlando. Well, the pro language is the problem right now because the father doesn't speak you know, English, but uh, he speaks a little bit, a little bit Czech, Polish, cup of words. So, so this well, is well, a beautiful a Christmas story. Beautiful Christmas, Christmas story. To see the photos of the Cuban father and his Polish daughter, who have just found each other thanks to a number of unbelievable coincidences and one man's persistence and determination, please visit our website mypolcast.com. Remember when we talked about funny city and town names in Poland? One of them was Zakopane, which means buried. Other than having a weird name, this town is a very famous place. Zakopane is a resort town in southern Poland, at the base of the majestic Tatra Mountains. It's a popular departure point for winter sports and summertime mountain climbing and hiking, known as the winter capital of Poland. The earliest documents mentioning Zakopane date to the 17th century. In 1676 it was a village of 43 inhabitants. Now it has a population of about 30,000 people. Zakopane is visited by over 2.5 million tourists a year. In the winter time, crowds of tourists come to Zakopane to enjoy winter sports and have done so for decades. The great ski jump Krokiev was constructed in 1925, and in 1936, a cableway to Kasprowewierch, which is 1,998 meters above the sea level, was constructed in just six months. Tourists come to experience Highlanders' culture with its unique food, architecture, music, and clothing, as well as its own dialect of Polish. When in Zakopane, you must walk along its main and most popular street, Krupówki. It is lined with stores, restaurants, carnival rides and performers. Here you can buy unique Zakopane souvenirs, such as a cupaga, a shepherd's axe plus a walking cane, or oscypek. Oscypek is a famous smoked cheese made of salted sheep milk exclusively in the Tatra Mountains. Since 2007, Ostypek is a protected trade name under the European Union law. Polish Highlanders make it entirely by hand, using only wooden tools. It tastes amazing and looks really beautiful. During the production process, the cheese mass is pressed into wooden spindle-shaped forms in decorative shapes. It was first mentioned in the 15th century. But its picturesque location is not Zakopane's only claim to fame. 
The Zakopane's style of architecture was inspired by the regional art of Poland's highland region known as Podhale. That's where Zakopane is located. Drawing on the motives and traditions of the building of the Carpathian Mountains, the style was pioneered by famous Polish artist Stanislaw Witkiewicz, painter, illustrator, art critic and theoretician, writer and architect, and is now considered a core tradition of Gurale, the inhabitants of the region, the Highlanders. The Highlanders' homes, as well as hotels and villas, are designed and built in this style to the present day. The Museum of the Zakopane style of architecture, located in Koliba, villa designed by Witkiewicz, provides visitors with information on the Zakopane style. Zakopane was a residence of many famous Poles because the beauty of the mountains and the local folklore fascinated and inspired artists. Poets and writers such as Jan Kasprowicz, Kornel Makuszyński or Stanisław Ignacy Witkiewicz, Witkacy, the son of Stanisław Witkiewicz, composers Karol Szymanowski and Mieczysław Karłowicz. During World War II, Zakopane was a key point for resistance couriers carrying messages between underground fighters in Poland and the Polish government in exile in London. The mountain scenes from the Bollywood film Fana were filmed around Zakopane. does not always come on a page of a book. Some poets convey their thoughts and feelings through the spoken word. One such artist who follows this tradition is Michel Dombrowski, a Canadian multidisciplinary artist, poet, producer, arts educator, and community arts development practitioner based in Melbourne, Australia. She tells us about poetry slams, her work in education, and her Polish roots. We reach her in Melbourne. Michelle, you were born in Canada, but now you live, what, 16 hours away from where I am, (laughs) which is in Melbourne. How did you get to Australia? Why did you uh, move? Uh, It was a bit of a journey via London, England, and via Montreal. Uh, In London, I did a gap year between high school and university, and then in Montreal, I did my studies. at Concordia University. And when I finished university, I had a partner who 
was born in Melbourne and we had been together at that point for a very long time. And Australia was always there. We always had this uh, idea of coming to Melbourne and checking it out. So at the beginning, you know, I was just here to explore and have an adventure and see if I even liked it. And then over the course of time, I built my community here. Uh, as as for as many immigrant experiences go, you know, you start to build a life and you start to build roots. What is it? How long have so you been, I've been there? here for almost nine years? Now, what you do is it's a combination of so many things. It's even hard to enumerate them. But what I would like to ask you about is this poetry slam mm -hmm. thing that you do because you're a poet and it's like something between the performance and the actual poetry. So tell us a little bit about it. It's, many people don't know anything about slams. Yes. So Poetry Slam is, it's a competition and it's really, it was, uh, came from Chicago in the 1980s by a man named Mark Smith at a jazz club called the Green Mill. And he was bored of the open mic format. So he had this idea of poets actually battling for the audience's attention and the audience getting to have a say of who they want to hear next. So you'll have, for example, in our slam here in Melbourne, which is called Slama Lama Ding Dong, there are actually three rounds, which means poets need to come prepared with three pieces of poetry. And the rules are they must be under three minutes. It must be the poet's original work. And they are not allowed to use props, music, or costumes. So it's just the raw words. And they are scored from zero to ten by five randomly selected judges from the audience. It's really a riveting show, uh, but Poetry Slam definitely has a culture. And uh, people move on to these national competitions in the States. And in, even in Canada, there's a Canadian Festival of Spoken Word which a different city will host every year. But what I really want to communicate about Slam is that it's, um, it's just French fries for the poet. It's just a, a way to really challenge yourself and become a better poet and also connect with your community. It's really coming back to this idea of gathering around the fire and exchanging dialogue. You have people from so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds, intergenerational experiences. So when you say French fries, it means it's not a gourmet meal. More like it's a side meal. It's like the poet is actually working to, towards much bigger things. Like uh, we are often as, as poets working with other disciplines and uh, teaching and, you know, as our role as oral storytellers or as in the African tradition, it's called the griot. Uh, the griot is a culture keeper. The griot is the person in the village who settles the disputes, who keeps people mm. inspired, who shares the news. And so our role is big, uh, but the slam mm. is just like sort of our side playground. Slama Lama Ding Dong is your yeah. idea, right? It is your child in a way, your baby. So Slama Lama Ding Dong, I founded six years ago and it happens once a month and it always brings crowds and we have a feature guest and this feature guest is showing off something completely new and different. So they are not necessarily like in the style of slam poetry, but they are really showing how they are experimenting and pushing the boundaries of the spoken word art form. But you also publish, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. I self-published my first book, and now I'm working on a, a second collection, uh, which will come out later in 2017. I was so lucky, you know, when I was doing my bachelor in bachelor's in Concordia University, my professors would let me submit 
my work on audio by a CD. So I still had to give them my work on the page, but I was able. So we often create albums. We collaborate with musicians. So there's many forms that we publish our work in. I think right now in the in our culture of uh, spoken word artists and, and poets and storytellers is that these lines are being constantly blurred all the time. There's this phrase that we throw around a lot called remix culture, which is really about honoring an, uh, something that's come before us and remixing it in our new way or with our new understandings of the world. I was influenced by Leonard Cohen. You know, my mom was playing this since I was four or five years old, or even from when I was in the womb. So it's song, it's poetry, it's storytelling, it's everything combined. Do you play any musical instruments yourself? Yes, actually, because I've, you know, after you are in the game for so long, you get really bored with just standing up on stage and doing words. Um, so I actually play a kalimba, which is mm -hmm. a thumb piano, and I loop my singing and my voice through a looping pedal, and that allows me to create some texture and some sort of vocal layers, some background singing to my uh, poetry. Well, apart from poetry, you do a lot of education, you do all kinds of public speaking, and uh, you're very spiritual. So I started in Melbourne, well, even actually before I got here in Montreal, I teach in schools a lot. Uh, I teach in primary schools and high schools. I do long residencies. In Australia particularly, there is a, a fair amount of funding for the arts. Uh, and these grants enable professional artists to be paid well enough to dedicate a lot of their time to be spending in schools. Uh, I also do a lot of community work uh, just in the last couple of years. Uh, finally, there's a sort of a methodology that I have uh, c created through the culmination of my studies and, and my uh, uh, observations of poetry and uh, what it means to be a griot. So that's in a curriculum that I've created myself, which is a two-day course and an eight-week course. Mm -hmm. And it was inspired by, in terms of spirituality, it was inspired by the phases of the moon. Is there an open mind among educational uh, authorities in, in Australia to have this kind of thing taught at school? So what I teach in my course and what I teach in schools, uh, they qu definitely cross over, uh, but also in different ways. And I and you have to be very mindful and careful of the language you're using, because whichever, that's part of our role as poets and as storytellers, Uh, being mindful of who's in front of you and really understanding that the most beautiful, this is what I teach in schools, is that um, I say to them, okay, look, not everyone is into poetry. Some of you are going to be very much into sports. Some of you will be into math. Some of you will be into theater. Uh, but the point is what I'm going to teach you today, you can use for the rest of your life because any great leader has to have the skill of understanding the psychology of their audience. And when you are able to understand the psychology of your audience, you get to have sort of a, a, a control, not a manipulation or control, but a, a power over one or two of their emotions. And when you understand what their emotions are, you can speak to the deeper parts in them uh, and, and sort of yeah, awaken them or uh, bring new things or open their minds. So it's, it's really about being aware of who's in front of you and how to speak to them in a way that uh, they will be receptive yeah. to ideas. Right. right. Now, t totally changing the topic, is the fact that you're Polish important in your life? Absolutely. And actually, it's the part, it's the question which most excites me, I think, at this time. There's a, a long tradition in uh, 
for the griots and for the storytellers and the poets that we stand on the shoulders of those who've come before us. And this is also something I, I feel is missing in our culture is this uh, respect and, and love for the elders and for, for our, who's our lineage and who's come before us. So, uh, of course, like there's also this saying, you know, in every language that you speak, you are completely new person or you have a totally different personality and I know when I speak Polish I access parts of myself that I cannot access in English and so much of how I was brought up and my background and um and the folklore of of being a Pole uh plays into my work very much and I think being an Australian finally having set my roots really I'm like I'm 32, and only really now am I beginning to really delve into um, the mythological and line lineage of my of my Polish roots. So, you know, the next two years are really about. Uh, uh, I'm going to take a trip to Poland. I want to bring my work to communities in Poland. I want to understand more about these stories that that hold Poland together in its. In, in its landscape, which was ever-changing and the borders ever-evolving. Um, I think I saw a, uh, like a time-lapse of the borders of Poland. It was just, you know, it's like a heartbeat pulsing from those borders, just changing all the time. And what was happening on those borders? I mean, it's just so extremely exciting to me. So I know you speak Polish, but do you use mm -hmm. it? Do you have a chance to use it? There's a beautiful Polish community here in in Melbourne. Uh, we do a Śledzik <laughs> every Christmas, uh, and we become very passionate about bringing all the Polish dishes, and everyone stands up and does a speech in Polish. And um, I, I think I share this sentiment with a lot of the Poles I'm connected with here in Melbourne, is that actually our identities feel very fragmented because we, we're so far away, yet we have this curiosity about this mystery of our background. Of We know so much about it, yet there's still so much we don't know there's very few ways that we can connect with it while being here in our community so I am lucky I have good people around me one of my best friends that I found here is Polish that I, I've lived with for many years so thankfully I get to use the language um, on almost on a daily basis and but I know definitely I need to go back to uh, keep uh, improving my 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 speaking Polish We invite you to visit our website, mypolcast.com, to learn more about Michelle and to listen to her talking in detail about the curriculum she developed, its rationale and origin. We can't have a podcast episode made in January and not talk about Carnaval. Carnaval is a Western Christian festival season that occurs before the liturgical season of Lent. The main events typically occur during February until early March, during the period historically known as Shaftite, or pre-Lent. Carnival typically involves public celebration and or parade combining some elements of circus, masks, and a public street party. The Polish carnival season traditionally starts at Epiphany on January the 6th and lasts until Fat Thursday, which is in Polish Tłusty Czwartek, when Polish ponczki, donuts, are eaten. The Tuesday before the start of Lent is often called Ostatki, literally meaning leftovers, meaning the last day to party before the Lenten season. 
But we will talk about this tradition of Tłusty Czwartek in our February episode. The traditional way to celebrate Carnival in Poland was the Kulik, a horse-drawn sleigh ride through the snow-covered countryside. In modern times, Carnaval is increasingly seen as an occasion for a lot of party. During communism, most often the parties were held in private apartments, hence the name Prywatka. You've been listening to the 38th episode of Polcast. As we said at the beginning, our Polcast is changing. You have just listened to episode 38, which means we've already produced 38 episodes. We're trying to make some changes in our Polcast. You will hear our next episode in four weeks, which means you have four weeks to catch up on the 37 plus today's episode. Uh, if you haven't heard them or you can go back to some of them. A really good way is to go to our website, mypolcast.com, where you can either listen to episodes, but you can also look at stories. If you look at stories, you can choose any story that is of interest to you. Look at all the 37 times two. There are many of them. And find the episode in which we had the corresponding um, interview. There's a lot more, of course, in the podcast, in our podcast, as you know, which is uh, material that's not covered on the Internet, not on our website, which is all kinds of stuff about the language, about geography, history, famous polls. So we encourage you to go back to these episodes and just explore. Some of you have joined us uh, recently, so you obviously didn't have a chance to listen to the past episodes. And in four weeks, we'll meet you again. So once you are at our podcast page, which is mypodcast.com, we always encourage you to write your comments, give us your feedback, uh, suggest topics. Maybe you know of some interesting stories or people that really we should feature and share with us your impressions. Podcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by Małgorzata Bonikowska and Tomek Kniat. For full-length interviews, visuals and a lot of additional information, please visit our website at mypodcast.com. And we leave you with song Zakopane. Thank you for listening to Podcast. Go be one.